Uh, you know, God is good all the time. And I guess I, I, I want to share just a little bit more about Agnes. We went over last night and talked to her. And of course, Connie went up and talked to her. And, and Agnes, you know, she used to experience a lot of dreams and visions and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, that's one thing whenever... We was over there the other day and, and visiting with her. I think it was before she went to Lincoln. Uh, you know, we, and we was praying, and I just, I said, Lord, just give her. And, and I told her, I said, I just believe the Lord's going to start giving you dreams and visions again. Well, she called, uh, or Connie called up there, I think, and Agnes was all excited because she had had a dream. And uh, she was all excited about that dream, which... We went over there last night, and she shared, you know, the dream with us, which, you know, to, to you and I, it might not have been anything earth-shattering, but it was. Uh, but to her, it was, it, it was amazing. I mean, whenever she was telling us about it, you could just see the glow on her face because, you know, what l the Lord had done. I mean, it was exciting to her. But all it was is that she had had this dream that, and I, I, Connie might be able to explain it better than me, but it was just like this, uh, uh, I won't say a glow, but this, this uh, presence, this awesomeness was in this dream with her, and the only way she could describe it is it was soft. I mean, she says silk is soft. She says whenever you touch silk, it's so soft. But she said when she reached up to touch this, it was softer than you can ever imagine. I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, it was almost like you could reach right through it, but yet you felt it. You know, I, she, just, she had a hard time describing the softness of it. But to her, that was God just displaying his peace in her. You know, that, that he's constantly... Constantly, no matter whether we see him, no matter whether we hear him, no matter whether we reach out and feel him, that he's there all the time. It's it's just in such a softness, but he's there all the time. You know. Uh, yeah, it was it was really thick, like a fog, but it was just like you could reach right into it. And and, amen. You know. But that shows us the goodness of God. It shows us. I mean, I mean it, it, it just transformed her, you know, in the fact that, I mean, I, I just, yesterday when I was over there, I could not believe how good Agnes looked. I mean, it was super amazingly how good she looked and how, how happy she was. Not just looked good, she was happy. Yes. Right, and just a few days before that, you know, because of her kidneys and stuff, she was starting to turn yellow. But she's got her collar back now. Uh, but, you know, God is good. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, my sermon this morning, and I'm going to go a little bit of a different route to start with, and then I'm going to come back to it. But my sermon this morning is God is good. Uh, and he is. Oh, my goodness, he is. Uh, but... I want to share a little, I want to share just a little bit. Most of you know my life and, and 
where I came from, where I've been, and what I've been through. But I want to share just a little bit of that with you in that, that because I want, to, I want to let you know, if you've never had it, I want you to let you know how I want to introduce you to a gentleman this morning that changed my whole life. Uh, because it's because he has a passion for people. And that passion overflows something tremendously. But, you know, for, oh, from the time I was 18 till the time I was 26 years old, I was in alcohol, something terrible. You know, I, I could not get out of it. Uh, and one day I had this person come to me, and he told me, he says, if you will do what I say, he says, I can help you get out of the situation you're in. But he says, you got to trust me. you got to do what I say. Uh, because it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy thing. But he says, it, it can be broken, and it's very easily broken. Uh, you know, and this, this person, he travels the world around. I mean, he's known in every country in the world, probably. Uh, but he chose to, to come and, and share with me how to do that. And uh, I can't say that I, you know, ever since that day, uh, I did what he asked me to do. And ever since that day, I've never had another drink because I listened to what he said and did what he asked me to do. You know, some of you people have probably heard of him. Probably most of you have heard of him. Uh, but sometimes we hear about somebody, but we really don't know that person. You know, we'll, we'll hear the great things that he's done. We'll hear the great wonders he's done, but we really don't know that person. You know, we know about what he's done, what he's doing, where he's been. Uh, and he's here this morning. You'll have an opportunity to to meet him, uh, and I just I just really want you to to think about this. You know, Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, he was working in the world two thousand years ago to bring sinners back to him, to him, back to God. He's still working today. But there's some things that, that the Bible says that we have to do in order to, uh, in order to have eternal life. And one of those things is we have to confess Jesus as Lord in our life. We have to, you know, he says, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me, I will deny you. You know, and I'm, I'm hoping that that everybody in here has made that decision to ask, you know, not just know Jesus, not just hear about Jesus, but to know Jesus. You know, that day on October 13, 1981, whenever I asked Jesus to come into my heart, he changed my whole life. You know, he changed me from a, a drunk uh somebody that had no ambition in life, somebody that had uh, 
you know, was just going down a horrible, horrible path. And he changed me to who I am today. Uh, and it doesn't matter what people perceive me as who I am today. It matters what Jesus perceives me. And I'm righteous. And I'm a child of God. And that's who I am. That's my identity today. And, uh, you know, so this morning I'm going to make an invitation. If you've never, because the Bible does say that you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Even the thief on the cross, you know, uh, when he was hanging on the cross and he looked at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me whenever you come into your kingdom. You know, in order to have a kingdom, you have to be a Lord. You have to be a king. You know, so even the thief on the cross confessed Jesus as Lord in front of all those people that was there. You know, so he desires us to confess that in front of people also. So that's a decision that we have to make. You know, if you've never done that, it's so important that you do because... You know, it changes your relationship from knowing who Jesus is to knowing Jesus. Because he says, if you, if you do that, he says, I will come and live within you. He says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, old things have passed away, all things become new. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, everybody, if you would, bow your head. Lord, we just give you thanks this morning, Father God. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you open the hearts and minds of the people in this place, Father God. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit move on each and every one of them, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that he calls you. He calls you unto him. And you have to make that decision. Nobody can make that decision for you. And if he calls you and desires you, Listen to that voice. Don't deny that voice. It's so important. It's eternity. It is eternity. If you've never, ever in your life asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, I mean to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and let me know that. If you've never done it, don't. Don't pass up the opportunity. You know, 30-some years ago, I had that opportunity to pass it up, I, but I, I chose him instead. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We're all there. Hallelujah. You know, it's so important that, that you know, the Bible tells me that I have a responsibility to share the gospel with other people. You know, and it says that the signs and wonders and miracles will follow the gospel. If I don't preach the gospel, I can't expect signs and wonders and miracles to follow me. I cannot expect it. You know, so this morning, you know, whether, whether you know Jesus, whether you don't know Jesus... This morning you know how to get Jesus. You know how to get Jesus. 
So don't let another day go by without it if you haven't done it. Anyway, this morning my topic is God is good. And uh, hallelujah, he is so good. I'm just going to read about three or four scriptures that explain, you know, that God is good. Which the first one comes in Acts chapter 14. You can write these down if you want or you can look them up later. Because uh, I'm just going to read through all four of them and then I'm going to go into to ministering. But in John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In Psalms 106, 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. And in Psalms 136.1 uh, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks. It says, Praise the Lord, and then give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And again it says, His loving kindness is everlasting. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I got about 18 pages here. I hope we get through this today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, what we know about God changes you. I mean, you know, it, it defines your purpose. It defines your destiny. You know, what you know about God. Now, my perception of God today is not the same as my perception was 20 years ago. My perception of God 20 years ago is not the same as it was 27 years ago. 27 years ago, my perception of God was he saved me. He saved me. You know, my perception of God today is expanded upon that. And so our perception of God defines, you know, our destiny, who we are in Christ. You know, uh, the way you view God, it, it uh, changes everything about how you see life. You know, <clears throat> if you don't know God, I mean, your purpose in life is to, to uh, get a job, to make money, to make more money, to make more money, to be happy, make more money. You know, whenever God gets into your life, it changes all that. You know, in our perception of what, what, who God is and what God is, God's not against us having money. That's absolutely for certain. You know, uh, in, uh, in, uh, math, or in Psalms, oh, let's see here. In uh, Matthew 5.14, he says, In order that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise upon the evil and upon the good, and sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, God's good regardless whether you're saved or not saved. He's still good because that's his nature. God is good. If we don't see God as good, uh, everything God did in the Bible was good. I mean, he said... 
at the, whenever he got through creating, he said, it was good. That's because he's good. You know, it's not good because of the circumstances it's happened. It's because he's good. Amen? You know, whenever, whenever we... Whenever we encounter God's goodness, it, it, opens up our, our, it opens up our whole being to the revelation of who God is. I mean, because if we don't understand his goodness, how can we understand, in situations in our life, how can we understand what his purpose is in that situation if we don't know that he has good? You know, so many people blame God for for, I mean, there's people I'm certain out there blaming God for allowing the shooting to take place in Tampa, Florida. I'm certain there's people out there that blame God for some little child getting sick. And, and I, you know, I just have a, a great nephew of mine that, that uh, I got an email yesterday that he is in... Uh, it was a rush thing. Uh, he went. He started fainting and, and having some seizures, and and uh, they took him into the hospital in Des Moines and did a scan on him, and immediately took him to Mayo Clinic, and he just went through a ten-hour brain surgery uh, to what they, to remove what they call a lesion on his brain. If they determine it's cancerous, then they'll call it a tumor. <laughs> we determine it's not cancerous. If it is, God heals it anyway. Amen? But, you know, people would blame God for something like that. Uh, but if we understand and perceive that God is good, how could we blame him for something like that? You know, it changes our whole perspective on life. It changes everything. So, so we, have to, we have to be 100% a hundred percent sold out that God is good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Which tasting is an experience. Seeing is a perception. Tasting is an experience. Seeing is a perception. So if we understand that God is good, we'll taste and we'll perceive more clearly what his purpose for our life is. You know, everything comes from the goodness of God. Everything. Everything comes from the goodness of God. You know, God is as good as he is holy. We don't all have a problem knowing that God is holy. And the Bible says, I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. And we know that God is holy. But we don't have a problem with that. Do we have a problem with understanding that he is good as he is holy? He has nothing, nothing but good planned for us. You know, everything is defined by his goodness. You know, so many people think that circumstances defines God's goodness, but it's the other way around. God's goodness defines the circumstances. That makes sense? You know, God's goodness defines the circumstances. You know, we can't, we can't judge God 
on the circumstances. Uh, you know, the thing that, that the devil would, the enemy would like to do more than anything is to, and, and don't throw rocks at me until I get done with this one, but the thing that the devil would like to do anything is, is more than anything, is be, us become introspective. Because if we come, become introspective, then we start looking at, at things like, in ourself, did I pray enough today? Did I read the Bible enough today? Did I fast this week? Did I, uh, did I minister to ten people this week? You know, then we start looking inside ourselves as to what did we accomplish, and it's not what, you know, we're not looking at God. We're looking at ourselves. You know, I mean, not that, not that we don't have to examine ourselves and we don't have to, uh, to do the things that we need to do in Christ, but that ain't what makes Christ move. Because the Bible says faith is the only way. Faith is the only way to please God. And, and in the Bible, if you read so many times, whenever people are healed miraculously, it's because of their faith. It's not because of they prayed 27 days, they fasted 18 days, they didn't drink water for a week. I mean, it's none of that. It's because of their faith. And if you got somebody that has such a passion for Christ, such a uh, passion for God, such a, a love for God, the devil's going to work on them more than anybody. He's going to say, dear, you need to read your lesson five more times before you give a sermon. <laughs> dear, we need to fast and pray. And we need to do those things. Don't get me wrong, we need to do those things. But that isn't what makes God move. That is not what makes God move. I mean... You know, he expects me to get up in front of you, God does, and, and yield to the Holy Ghost. While I'm ministering to you, yield to the Holy Ghost. He expects me to read the scriptures and do the things I need to do. Unfortunately, it makes my wife nervous because I don't write down sermons because I can't do it that way. If I write down a sermon and try to read it to you, it'll be a bunch of junk. So I just have to kind of try to go with the flow. Now this is, now understand this one whenever I say it to you. Because faith without works is dead. But we need to understand that works is not our faith. We can do all kinds of good works without having any faith. So works does not define our faith. Works does not define our faith. As a matter of fact, it probably, it probably uh, draws us away from our faith if we do too much works and we think that that's making a major accomplishment. You know... Uh, Whenever, whenever we really understand and realize that, that works is not what builds our faith, then our faith becomes much more natural. 
Because then it becomes faith. This doesn't have anything to do with our works. Does that make sense? You know, I'm not, I'm not contradicting what the Bible says because the Bible says faith without works is dead, and we understand that. We have to, you know, once we're born again, we want to do, I want to do good for people. Now, I didn't used to want to do that because my understanding of God has changed over the years. Even in the first few years, I mean, the only thing I could think about whenever I first got saved was talking to other people about Jesus. Now, I didn't know anything about healing. I didn't know anything about deliverance. I didn't know. All I knew was I wanted to talk to people about Jesus because of what he had done for me. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. We still need to talk to people about Jesus. If we mistake what God's nature is, then we'll mistake our understanding of him. You know, it's kind of like the doctor, if if they misdiagnose uh, something that's wrong with you and they treat it wrong, they work vigilantly to try to get you well, but nothing will happen. You know, they'll work, 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 but they accomplish nothing. You know, and so it's the same way with God. If we don't understand him in the true way that God is, we'll work our tails off, but nothing will happen. We have to know and understand who God is. And knowing that God is good is, is the basis. You know, knowing that God is good, knowing that God is love, is the basis for all this. Janet was kind of stealing my sermon this morning as she was teaching. It's amazing how God works, isn't it? Makes me mad. <laughs> if you aren't coming to Sunday morning Bible study, if there's any way possible, you really need to. I mean, Janet is a tremendous teacher, but she loves God, and God loves her. That's that's the main thing, you know. Even though she's a tremendous teacher, if you know, like she was teaching this morning, you can teach. You can understand the word all you want, but if there's no fruits, then there's no production. You can't sell fruit that you don't produce. Amen. You know, Jesus said, you know, if we don't, if we can't grasp Jesus, if we can't grasp the goodness of Jesus... We can't grasp who the Father is. Because Jesus said, I came to reveal the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if we don't read the Bible, if we don't understand who Jesus is and how Jesus operated, there's no way to understand, we can't understand who the Father is and how the Father operated. Because he came to reveal the Father to us. You know, although we, we know that, that Jesus, you know, so many people think that, that, you know, why didn't Jesus heal this person? Why didn't Jesus? I, I challenge you, I challenge you to find a scripture in the Bible where somebody came to Jesus and asked for healing that he didn't heal them. I challenge you on that. If you can find a scripture on that, 
I'll believe you, but I don't believe you'll find one. I don't believe you'll find a scripture anywhere in the Bible that somebody came to Jesus for healing and he didn't heal him. And also, I don't believe you'll find a, you know, there were several people that didn't come to Jesus for healing that was healed, but it's because God sent Jesus to them. He says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. You know, so if uh, there's somebody in here with an ailment or something like that, and I don't heal, you know, if he don't come to me, or if I don't hear the Father say, go to him, it's probably not going to be anything fruitful take place there. Except we pray for somebody. Make sense? They got to come, or God's got to call you to them. But, you know, one of the things that, that theology, I guess is what you would call it, or people of great teaching or whatever, will do, they'll take the things in the Bible. Well, we, we know that Jesus, whenever he went to the pool of Bethesda, he healed the crippled man. But there was probably hundreds of other people in there where it says nothing about a healing them. Of course, it says nothing about the God didn't send them to him or they didn't come to him either. So is God bad because he didn't heal the rest of them? I don't think so. Could have it happened? Probably if they would have believed and probably if they would have come to him. But, you know, so many of the theologians, they focus on what didn't happen instead of what did happen. They turn it all around. Well, God doesn't choose to heal everybody. You know, God doesn't choose to deliver everybody. But they turn that all around. Anybody that comes to Jesus, anybody that comes to Jesus, whether it be mental, whether it be spiritual, whether it be health, he'll heal them. He'll save them. He'll deliver them. So we can't look at the we can't look at the things. You know, I, I was reading a deal with Bill Johnson the other day, and he was talking about his. You know, Janet was touching on this morning, talking about his dad. You know, he was actually at a conference someplace preaching whenever he got the phone call that his dad was dying from pancreatic cancer. So he got relieved from his assignment there and had somebody else take over. Came back. Uh, they gathered around his dad. They prayed over his dad. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing in the natural happened. I mean, the cancer was still there. Uh, his dad died and went on to heaven. He was a Pentecostal pastor. He knew the Lord. His dad's healed. Does that mean that that uh, God chose not to heal him? I don't think so. I mean, I can't stand on that premises. God's good. God is good. God is good. So that's what I have to stand on is the premises that God is good. It, you know, 
just because something happens in my life I don't understand. God don't give us the answer to every single thing, but God knows the answer to every single thing. So sometimes if we just get ourselves out of the way and listen to what God has to say, he's already provided the answers to the situation, but we ain't listening. We're, we're working in ourselves, you know, in that, oh, maybe I didn't have enough faith. That person didn't have enough faith. I don't know. God knows. He's already working in that situation if we trust him. If we will trust God in every situation and know that he is good in every situation, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the outcome of that situation because we can't, we, can't we can't stop believing what we believe. We can't stop believing what the word says. Hallelujah. You know, most places in the Bible, whenever it talks about uh, revival taking place and things like that, it's because a church becomes repentant. It's because there's repentance taking place in a church. You know, if God is talking to you about his goodness, if God is changing the way you view him, and you don't make that change, you know, repentance is change. It's going from this area to this area. Whether it's, whether it's uh, something you've done, something you've happened in your life, or it's just God's working on you and he's wanting to change the way you think about things, if you don't make that transition, you're not repentant. If you don't make that, you know, if he's saying... Uh, you need to love me more and this is why but you say Lord I love you enough now if you aren't willing to make that move you're not repentant repentance is changing what we think what we do who we are you know so we as a church if we aren't willing to mold and change then we're not going to have revival in the church because we don't, we're, we're, not, we're not operating with a repentant heart. We're not operating how we see God. You know, as we study the Word and as we grow in the Word, as, as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, as He changes us, if we're not willing to move from where we're at, then we're not repentant. And things won't change. Hallelujah. Like I say, things are a little different today in church than, than what I'm accustomed to. Uh, but I... People, whenever they have something to share, have something to give, uh, I, I'm going to open up just things just a little bit right now and the fact that if somebody has a word that they feel like they need to share, somebody has a uh, understanding that they need to share 
about God and their perception of God, I'd like for you to take a minute and share it. I mean, has anything in the last year, in the last six months, has anything in your life changed that changes what your perception of God is? You know, it may not be anything to anybody else, but it is to you. But, you know, the reason, I think it's in Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to say verse 12. Uh, That's probably further down than that. I don't know how many verses there are in chapter 1, but it's the last verse of chapter 1. Paul said that many were coming to the Lord because of me. That almost sounds pride I mean I'm certain what he's saying there is that because of the change that they see in me because in the verses before that he's explaining everything that happened to his life and everything that changed in his life because his encounter with God his perception of God changed totally and completely because he was a persecutor of the church and now all of a sudden he became a uh, avid very avid very avid proclamation of the church. So because of this, it changed the way, because of his conversion and people looking at him, it changed the way that, that so it said that many were glorifying because, go ahead and read that one. Praise God because of him. You got anybody praising God because of you? <laughs> huh? Why not? Are we not living the way God wants us to live? Has God not made a transformation in our lives? God made a transformation in my life. Scott, you got something you want to share? Amen. And we want the young people to start praising God because of you. Because of what Jesus did in your life. You know, I want people to praise God because of what Jesus did in my life. You know, if people, if people actually, I mean, my wife can remember, of course, uh, Probably too many other people actually in here remember what I was like, you know, from my 18 to 26-year-old age. But if you actually, I mean, there was people out in western Nebraska, Dix, Nebraska, that could not believe the transformation that took place in my life. I mean, they kept waiting for me to stumble and fall because they could not believe the transformation that took place in my life. But whenever God does a transformation in your life, you don't stumble, you don't fall. Because he's always there to pick you back up if you do wrong. He's always there to lift you back up if you seek him in it. 
Hallelujah. Anybody have a word of wisdom here this morning? Amen. That we activate his power through worship. Amen. And it is the labor to enter into that rest. It's not easy because circumstances work different. But we are laboring to enter into that rest. Uh-huh. Because his word is true. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter the circumstances. His word is true. Amen. His word is true. And God is good. Amen. I know you're all ready to go. And I'm, I'm, just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Hallelujah. How great is his goodness. How great is Psalm 3119. How great is his goodness. How great is his goodness which he has stored up for which he has stored up for those who honor thee how great is his goodness which he has stored up for those who honor thee which thou hast wrought for those who take refuge in thee we need to seek him we need to take refuge in him